Welcome back to another Pillar Tax Podcast. Why is the Pillar Tax Podcast so important? It's because you can't get away from taxes. Dan, can people escape taxes in the United States of America? <laughs> sure, can yeah, sure, sure. Go live in a cave, Jay. Find a nice spot in the mountains of the Pacific Northwest. Live in a cave. Live off the land. Don't you know? Eat trees. Hunt animals. And don't earn any income any place. Then you can escape taxes. All right. So if you don't earn income, that's the key, huh? Yeah. Exactly. If you're going to live in civilized society, you're going to pay taxes, whether it's income taxes or sales taxes or real estate taxes or consumption taxes like gasoline taxes and excise taxes on products, you're going to pay taxes because they're everywhere. The everywhere. goal here is to pay only the, with respect to the income tax, is to pay only the tax that you owe and no more. So nobody has an obligation to pay more tax than they legally have to. No, that, that is a that is a well-settled principle of law. You do not have a, an affirmative duty. You don't have a patriotic duty. You don't have a legal duty to more to pay more taxes than you owe. Your responsibility is to follow the law, to do what the law requires. And if the law gives you an opportunity to take advantage of this strategy or that strategy, then you have every legal right to do that. Let me give you the, the most basic the most simple example of this, if okay. you own a home, you're entitled to deduct uh, your mortgage interest in your real estate taxes. All right. That's not a loophole. That's very specifically written in the law that you get a deduction for mortgage interest in real estate taxes. Now, you don't have to claim the deduction. If you don't claim the deduction, you're going to pay a larger share of taxes than if you do claim the deduction. If you claim the deduction and you cut your tax liability, you've done absolutely nothing wrong. Okay. You complied with the law. You've taken advantage of a deduction that's written in the Internal Revenue Code for a specific reason. That's not a loophole. It's a it's a uh, specific legal provision that allows you to reduce your taxes. And by doing that, you keep your your money in your pocket. You don't give it to the government, and you've done absolutely nothing wrong. You've done nothing wrong morally. You've nothing. You've done nothing wrong legally. You've done. You've done nothing wrong patriotically. In fact, okay. I would argue, I would argue that it's your moral duty to reduce your taxes to their lowest legal level so you can better support your family. See, I like that. See, I think everybody should take that and run with it. You got a moral duty to be able to do better for your family. You know, this is amazing. You know, we talked about a lot about uh, small businesses and uh, recently in the poor record keeping. I'd like to maybe get into some more specifics in regards. Like, What are some things that people are slipping on there? Well, the small businesses slip in a lot of areas, Jay, but let's narrow it down to, to just a, a couple here if we can. And I think the first thing on the list is, is their mileage. You know, one of the single business, uh, one of the single biggest expenses, one of the single biggest deductions that small businesses are entitled to is a deduction for their business mileage. And you've got a lot of businesses out there, Jay, that are very, very mileage intensive. You take a, a, a realtor, for example, or anybody in the construction business or anybody in any kind of a repair business where they're driving their vehicles around and they're going from door to door, from customer to customer. The real estate example, you know, flies off the page because, you know, if you're a real estate agent and you 
you sell one house, you know, you probably had to, you probably had to make 15 or 20 appointments and run, you know, 15 or 20 different directions to sell that one house. And same with listing houses. Even if you don't get the sale, you get the listing, you, you know, you had to run around in circles to get that listing. And we know that real estate agents do that all the time. But construction workers are another example of people that have high levels of mileage on their business vehicles. And, you know, we got people out there that are in delivery services right now, people out there that are driving Ubers, people out there that are, you know, doing right. all kinds of things, repair businesses. We got a guy that comes to our office that fixes our copy machine and here's here, you know, he's probably here twice a month and we're only one of several dozen clients. We've got a tech guy that comes and checks on our computers on a regular basis. We're only one of several dozen clients. These people are running around all the time. And so that expense they get for business use of their automobile is huge, but it has to be tracked correctly. So that's one of the biggest. So how do they track it correctly, Dan? I think a lot of people are not clear on that. Yeah, you're exactly right. People are making the mistake. You need to have a contemporaneous mileage log, all right? And a contemporaneous mileage log, the word contemporaneous very simply means something that's done at the time the event takes place, all right? Mm -hmm. So if I have a contemporaneous record, it's a record that's made at the same time that I incur the mileage. So I need to be tracking mileage on a daily, at least a weekly basis, if not a daily basis. All right. Some people try to do it monthly, but too much falls through the cracks when you do it monthly. Now, if you've got a rock solid appointment calendar, maybe you can go back and do it monthly. Uh -huh. But if you do it monthly, Jay, you're making more work for yourself because now, you know, if you do it every couple, two, three days, you might be, you might be making, you know, a few dozen entries. If you wait a month to do it, you might have hundreds of entries you have to make. And now it becomes an overwhelming chore. So do it on a contemporaneous basis. You need to track the mileage. You need okay. to track the day. You need to track the starting point and the ending point, right? So I went from I went from my office to Jay's office right. on August the 21st, okay? That's, well, in, in our case, it's about 3,500 miles. So I didn't drive that. But you understand <laughs> what I'm saying. You track the mileage, right? And the other thing is this, and this is another area, this is probably the single area where people fail who are keeping a mileage log. All right, IR says, well, yeah, you got this mileage log and it tracks all your miles, but you know, I can't tell if this is a business mile or if this is a personal mile. Mm -hmm. So you need to make a notation as to the business purpose of the travel. So if wow. I drive from my office to Jay's office, well, we know the business purpose of that travel would be the Pillow Tax Academy. And so I would just right. make a, a simple note in my mileage log that said, you know, went to Jay's, talked about the, the Pillow Tax Academy. All right. Mm -hmm. if, if I'm a realtor, I went over to the house on Main Street for a showing. All right. If I'm a contractor, I went on, I went to the house on 4th Street to give them a bid on their new roof. Right. Whatever. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Yeah. It doesn't have to be specific. But Dad, is there a sliding scale on how much money they get to deduct? No, there's no sliding scale. No, 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 no. It's not a sliding scale. Set the set. You get you, there's one of two ways that you can claim deductions for business use of automobile. The first way is based on a standard mileage rate that the IRS will give you. And I think that mileage rate right now is about 64 cents a mile. All right. Wow. So, so if you track 100 yep. business miles, you get a $64 deduction. All right, so that's the standard mileage rate. You don't have to keep track of your gasoline and your oil changes and your tires and all of that stuff because you're using the standard mileage rate. 
So that's yeah, 64 cents in that example. The, the the oil changes is all built into that. It's all built into that. That's exactly right. All right, that's now, good. All right, now the other way to do it is with actual mileage. All right, so, or, or I, I'm sorry, actual expenses. Actual right? expenses. In either case, you got to track your actual mileage. We need okay. to know the miles in either situation. All right, in the case of the actual expenses, now I'm going to track oil changes, new tires, bat a new battery, uh, the car payments, of course, uh, um, uh, the 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 the, uh, the gasoline. Gasoline, of course, is the big deal. I add all of those up, and then I multiply by my business use percentage. So, for example, let's say I drove my car fifteen thousand business uh, fifteen thousand miles in twenty twenty two, but my but my business miles were ten thousand. So take yes. 10, divide that by 15, and you get 66 and a third and two-thirds percent, right? You get, okay. get two-thirds. So if I if I spent seven thousand dollars on my car, seven thousand okay. times 0. 0.66, 0. 0.666, that gives me a deduction of about forty seven hundred dollars, right? That's how it works. So so you, you, in in the in the case of the standard mileage rate. You don't need to track all the individual expenses, but you still need to track the business miles. In the case of the actual expenses, you need to track all the individual expenses together with the business miles. Now, I'll tell you this, for most people, and this is true almost across the board, the actual expenses gives you a bigger deduction. Mm. But the standard mileage rate is easier to do. In okay. either event, no matter which one you use, you got to track the miles because we have to know how many miles our business, how many miles are personal, right? Because that that gives us the uh, that gives us the the multiplier that we need to figure out. Isn't the, that like a direct increase? like like six. Say for example, in that example you just gave four thousand and five hundred dollars. Call around four thousand five hundred dollars. Didn't I, didn't that person just give themselves a pay increase? Well, absolutely. Because here, here's the thing, Jay. These are not added expenses. You're not going out and spending money to generate a tax deduction. A lot of these, a lot of these half-baked uh, financial planners will tell you to spend money on this and spend money on that so you can write it off. Well, if you don't need to spend the money, you're not giving yourself an advantage just because you get a write-off because the write-off is right. only marginal. But the point you make here is well taken, and that is I'm incurring my automobile expenses anyway. Anyway. I'm driving my car anyway. So yeah. now what I'm doing is I'm taking expenses that already exist and capturing them as business expenses as long as I got the legitimate proof that they are legitimately deductible business expenses. So what you do is you turn uh, what could be a non-deductible expense into a deductible expense. You're not increasing your out-of-pocket costs. What you're doing is decreasing your tax liability, which does, in fact, put more money in your pocket. So think of it this way, Jay. Think yeah. of it as getting paid to keep the records. Get paid to keep the records. So that, for example, listen, I, I want to make sure people really get this. So that $4,500 that Dan just talked about, that now can be written off on the tax as long as you got good record keeping. 
if let's just say somebody was at a, I don't know, what's the standard tax bracket, Dan? What would you say average tax, tax well, bracket? You know, there's, there's, let, let's, let's just, let's just say the, let's just use the 20% number to make 20, 20%. All right. So that means that 20% of that 4,500 is now back in my pocket. Is that correct? That's exactly what it means. Yes. What you're talking about is the effective tax rate. So make the math simple. You spend $5,000 in, in, in deductible items, right? So, so our, our, our mileage expense deduction gives us a $5,000 deduction. Okay. That puts $1,000 of tax in your pocket that you otherwise would have paid to the government. You would have paid that. That would have got paid anyway. But now the thousand dollars is in my pocket or in their pocket in this example. So I think that should help people get it. That, that's right. Yeah. And, 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 here, and here's the significance of it. A lot of people say, "Well, a thousand bucks is it really worth the effort?" Well, <laughs> you got a, you got a thousand dollars that you can invest in your business now. You got a thousand dollars that you can save. You got a thousand dollars that you can use to support your family. You got a thousand dollars that you can stash for retirement. This right. is money that would otherwise be gone, Jay. Oh, and now you know. have it in your possession, and you get the use and enjoyment out of it, and you get the economic benefit of it. And and uh, and this is and this is just one area that we're talking about here. All right, small businesses incur expenses in multiple areas. This is just one of them. PillarTaxAcademy.com, everyone that's listening, if you own a business, go check out Dan's Business Mastery course for, for small business. It's unbelievable because, Dan, you go into a lot of these things, these areas where people can be putting money back in their pocket, correct? Well, we talk about that in the course. We also talk about, Jay, the, 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 the area where I you know, cut my teeth as a tax litigator, and that is defending small businesses in court. And so I show you, okay, it's one thing to say this is deductible. That's deductible. That's fine. There's all kinds of people out there saying that, Jay. But how do you prove it's deductible? Right. right? If the IRS challenges it, how do you know you have the confidence that they're not going to disallow that expense, or if they do disallow it, that you can sustain your claim for that expense uh, when you make an appeal? How do you know that? Well, that's where my expertise is, because I've spent 40, over 40 years litigating against the IRS on behalf of small businesses. I've seen every kind of tax case you can imagine involving small businesses. All right. And so I've been around the block here a little bit. I know how to win the cases in court. So I give you the formula in the book for keeping in, in the in the in the in the book and in, in the in the uh, in the tax mastery course for keeping all of the records in the proper way so that you don't have to ever don't ever have to get into litigation with the IRS. Stay out of that. that that's another expense. That, if you course. ever get into litigation, Dan, are there any computer programs that help? Yeah, there's a lot of computer programs out there, Jay, that help with the record keeping. And, you know, you just got to Google around for them. I mean, I, I mean, I could name some names that doesn't matter. But the fact of the matter is that there's a but there's a but it always boils down to the willingness of the person to make the entries. You know, there's some great car log uh, or mileage log stuff out there that that uh, that ties right to uh, Google Maps. So, you know, you just plug in where you were oh. and, or, or where, where you start and where you finish and it does the mileage for you. So you don't have to track it on the odometer necessarily. And that makes it easy, Jay, but you still got to do the work. All right. I, I, I like to I like to say it like this. You know, people go to their dentist 
to their tax preparer once a year, get their tax return done. Okay, fine. You know, the tax, re the, the tax preparer doesn't make daily trips to your office, making sure that you're doing everything correctly. Most people go to the dentist once a year and the dentist does the cleaning and the checkup and so on and pass you on your head and sends you on your way. But you still right. got to brush your teeth. You still got to floss your teeth. You yeah. still got to do the work every single day. And if you don't, you're not going to have a healthy mouth and it doesn't make any difference how good your dentist is. I can't tell you how many people yeah. have said to me, Dan, my CPA is great. Well, that's fine. It's wonderful that you've got a good CPA. You should have, as a small business person, a good CPA or bookkeeper, at least somebody you're consulting with, so you're getting guidance along the way, but you still got to make and keep the records. These uh, these tax preparers, CPAs, enrolled agents, they're not keeping your records for you. You're the one that has to do that. And it's a tough pill to swallow for small businesses that don't want to be accountants, Jay. Most people don't want to be accountants, but you know what? This is the business we've chosen. You, we're, 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 you know, we're in this world. You might not be of the world, but you're still, <laughs> but you're certainly in, in it. Man. You're certainly in it. I'm not of the world of CPAs. And man. if somebody ignores this, the IRS will make sure they know that they're in the world. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and look, you don't, you don't want to get sideways on an audit. You just don't want to do that. And, and, and the way, the way to stay out of trouble with the IRS is to make sure you got the proper record keeping system and that you are you are following that system. And the business tax mastery course gives you the information you need. Speaking of people in trouble with the IRS, this is no kidding now, Jay. And I did not orchestrate this, it just turned out this way. I'm working okay. on a client situation right now where the, the IRS has made this allegation against my small business client. Listen to this now. It says, we sent you a letter saying that we could not determine your correct federal tax based on the records you provided. We told you that your records were inadequate and we provided law and regulations ex explaining the legal requirement to keep adequate records. I'm reading this right off the letter. So this IRS person is taking my client to task on not keeping the proper records. And I'm having to respond to this letter saying, okay, here are the things that we've changed about that client's record keeping system to make sure that they stay compliant with the law. So it's not a matter of, I, well, I just won't claim the deduction. If they can't determine your accurate income and accurate exp expenses, you can expect them to come down on you for not keeping accurate, accurate records. And then that money that you you thought was in your pocket, you end up having to pay probably with interest. Oh yeah, well penalties and interest. Penalties and interest. Yeah, yeah. So so if you so if you don't do it right, and the IRS disallows your deduction, you owe the tax, the penalties, and the interest. The interest is compounded daily on the entire unpaid balance of the tax liability, and it is assessed against penalties and tax. So you're paying interest on the tax, interest on the penalties, and interest on the interest. And that could be that could be nuts. So that person owed, let's just say they didn't keep their records right and they're 10,000 short and it's been a year. What do you have you seen something like that turn into that was just a $10,000 matter? Well, first of all, the $10,000 penalty or the, the the penalty on the 10 grand is an accuracy penalty that's 20% of the tax liability. Right. So right off the bat, you got you got on 10 grand, you got 2000 a penalty. Now you're going to now you're going to add the interest to that. It's probably going to be after a year. You know, it's going to be it's going to be another what we're at six percent, seven percent interest right now, compounded daily. All right. So 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 it, it, it it's actually a higher 
a higher uh, um, um, APR than, than just that simple number because it's on the tax penalty and previously assessed interest. So it's, it, you know, the 10 grand turns into 13 pretty quickly. Golly. And that's just, hey, we got to we gotta do better. We got to be on top of it. That's why this podcast is here. We're going to continue to educate, to motivate, to inspire folks, to get very strong when it comes to financial literacy, which I believe, Dan, the foundation of that needs to be how do you keep yourself completely straight when it comes to your tax responsibility? I think yeah, people you're, yeah, missed yeah, that. Yeah, you're exactly right. Jerry. I missed that for years. And now I'm like, uh-huh. You, you can't consider yourself financially literate if you don't know the basics of income tax compliance requirements. Now, I'm not saying you got to be a tax lawyer. I'm not saying you got to be an accountant, a CPA. I'm not saying that. But you gotta you gotta know the difference between a W two and a ten eighty nine. You gotta know the difference between a K one and a ten forty form. You gotta understand what the filing requirements are for your subchapter S corporation or your partnership or your sole proprietorship. You need to know the basics because this stuff, whether you like it or not, you, you know you don't need to know anything about bank robbery law if you don't rob a bank, right? How about how about I just don't rob a bank and I don't have to worry about bank robbery law. But you don't have that choice when it comes to the IRS. Right. You have to file your tax return. You have to report your income. You have to pay your taxes, which means you have an affirmative duty to at least know the basics of federal tax law. And guess what, Jay? Not very many people do. It, it is just uh -huh. such a skinny percentage of people that have any basic concept of what tax law compliance is all about. It really is deplorable. It's a deplorable statement about the quality of our education that almost nobody can tell you the difference between a K-1 and a 1099. And these well, are just the most basic forms that there are. That's why we're getting ready to come out with the foundations of, of tax and business. Uh, Dan and I are going to be doing an important course. It's going to be very, very affordable. Make sure you keep in touch with PillowTaxAcademy.com because that's going to be out here in the next few weeks as of the time of this recording. And you're going to need that. I think that once we educate the masses on the basics, I think we I think we move the needle if we just get everybody just tens of thousands in the beginning understanding the basics. How you feel about that in parting words? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no question about it, Jay. Listen, there's there's roughly you know the IRS will tell us there's roughly 35 million small businesses out there. Small businesses defined as as uh, as uh, businesses with fewer than 100 employees. All right. Well, if you've got 90 employees, you know, that might be a small business, but that is a pretty significant operation. Yeah. The overwhelming majority of those 35 million businesses have fewer than 20 employees. Okay. That's a small business. And most of those businesses are mom and pop, two or three or four employees. That's the vast majority of them. And so these are the people that need the help. There are millions of them out there, Jay. How do we reach out and, and, and touch these millions of people that so desperately need this help to stay out of trouble with the IRS? That's what yeah, we have going to do. That's our challenge. We're going to do it. Build a tax academy. We're on a mission. Everybody spread this. Share this. Subscribe. You know, any way you can get engaged with this, we want to be able to make an impact. And, and it starts with you. We want to impact you. So make sure you leave in comments, wherever you can leave comments. Uh, out there on our social media channels. Everything's Pillow Tax Academy. We appreciate you, Dan. Hey, well, let, me, let, let me leave the viewers with this thought, too. If you've got any questions, you know, where you leave comments, where you're able to comment, ask us your questions, and we'll get them, we'll get them uh, answered here as best we can. Catch you on the next episode, everybody. See you.